Thank you for tuning in to Valley Rise Church. We're so glad you decided to join us today. For more information on sermon series and service times, you can visit us online at valleyrisechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you. Thank you, Joey. Give Joey a big hand. You're doing a great job. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, I, I, that was just an overwhelming standing ovation. I know you came up with that idea on your own. Uh, I'm not in my full faculties today because of Eli. And I don't know if Pastor Christian shared with you, but uh, we moved the week of Christmas into a new home and uh, Christian and I were actually talking in the garage and about from here to where the, the, the screen is there. Christian and I are talking like this, and we have an electric golf cart. And Eli, who's five years old, got in, and he turned the key. And uh, we, we didn't know. Of course, it's an electric golf cart, so you can't hear it. And then for those of you who've ever driven a golf cart, you know it's locked. And he pushed and kept pushing, and nothing happened until something happened. And this is what happened. So uh, when, when I got up from the ground, uh, I broke my wrist and torn a few ligaments. But uh, I am here. I did survive. Uh, I, I left the Mexican ghetto of Houston, living in my mother's bar, and got wounded by my grandson. So I, it means that I don't know what all that means, but that means a lot. I'm going to try to do this. This is a real, how is it, how am I doing? All right, so far, am I doing good? Okay, it's pitiful, I know it, and I appreciate your kindness. It's great to have uh, one of our elders from our church, who've been with us since the beginning, Don Mendoza, with us here, and uh, he is an incredible leader in our church, disciples, many men, men with almost 100 men, Bible study at his workplace each week. And it's also great to have so many folks that I've been close to for so many years, the Landry family. Many of you don't know Joey, who is leading worship. Don't you appreciate Joey? Okay, let me ask one more time. Do you appreciate Joey? Okay, well, Joey is originally from Houston, but he went to Lafayette, to ULL, to play baseball for the Raging Cajuns, and then stay there long enough to swoop up one of our uh, beautiful daughters there, uh, and, and he married Tiffany. Tiffany's parents, Tiffany's mom, was in the youth group that we started in Lafayette in her parents' home when I was 19 or 20 years old. And so today, when you see Joey and Tiffany up here, the Landry family helped us start in youth ministry in Lafayette, and ultimately then the church. And today, while you look up here, you get to see the second generation of people helping build the church that began with us 40 years ago. How cool is that? Okay, uh, this, this, uh, I'm, how cool is that? Thank you, very cool. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I, I am going to do my best today to uh, do what a one-armed Mexican preacher can do. Okay. That's what I'm responsible for. Today's series is second part called Reset. Say that with me, Reset. One more time. 
remember the Southwest commercials that began and they'd have some kind of crazy thing that would be happened to some person, they'd stop and go, want to get away? What they were actually saying is, do you ever wish that you could be in the middle of a circumstance and just start all over again? Matter of fact, the greatest part about Christianity is that you do get to start again. As a Christian, the greatest part of being a Christian is God's mercies are new every morning. Last week, Pastor Christian started sharing with you that we are three-part. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in my body. Why don't you say that with me? I am a spirit. Okay, let me, okay that, that was, okay. Are you intimidated in following tall, good-looking Mexican man? Is there a problem there? Okay, listen. Sir. I am a spirit. The Bible says in John 4, 24, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In Genesis 1, God said, let us, or 2, let us make man in our own image. God is a spirit, and we are created in his image. Therefore, we are spirit. The part of us that's going to live forever is our, our spirit, our spirit. So I am a spirit. I have a soul. My soul is my mind, will, and emotions. My mind, my will, and my emotions. And then I live in my... That, that was like a softball. Okay, I live in my, so I am a, I have a, which is my mind and, and I live in my, and I live in my body. When you are born again, when you're born again, let me explain that because in our area, 99% of the people came from a Catholic background. So when you were born again, that's when you go from being a son of Adam to being a son of God. A lot of times you hear people say, we're all children of God. That's not true. As a matter of fact, Jesus was speaking to some religious leaders who had no clue of what real spirituality was and said, you are of your father, the devil. So until I am spiritually reborn, I am a son of Adam. The moment I'm reborn, I become a son or daughter of God. Matter of fact, all of us have heard people say things like, I, I was born an alcoholic. My daddy was an alcoholic. My granddaddy was an alcoholic. My great-granddaddy. I mean, I was just born. Of course, it, where I'm from, Cajuns, you know, anything bad that they do, they go, well, I'm Cajun. You got to excuse it. And they think that's unique. It's not. I grew up in the barrio, and we would go, we're Mexican. You got to excuse it. So people tend to blame on their ethnicity, on their background, actually things that go a whole lot further back. So let me ask you a question. Can you be born an alcoholic? Okay, one person. How about the rest of you drunks? Can you be, can you be born an alcoholic? Can you be born a liar? Can you be born a thief? Can you be born gay? Oh. Well, the reality is, many people use as an excuse for their current behavior the fact that they were born that way. They were born that way. And let me help you. Because I've sat with people, many of you here have people that you know and love, that say to you, I am the way that I am because I was. Thank you, Lady Gaga. Okay, I, I was born that way. 
Now, here's the sad truth that's partially true. Because we were all born since the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, all of us have been born spiritually dead. Mother Teresa was born spiritually dead. Billy Graham was born spiritually dead. And that's why Jesus said, you must be born again. So whether you were born an alcoholic or whether you were born gay or whether you were born, whatever it was that you were born, you were all born with a sin nature. I was born with a sin nature. And we fall all, all fall into sin, but we all might fall into different sin. So all of us are born spiritually dead. Many years ago, I was in Sweden speaking in public schools where 99% of the students there don't even believe in God. And I stood up and I shared my story about being involved in gangs and drugs and all kinds of different things and, and terrible things that I did and how Christ changed my life. And this Swedish girl jumped up in the back and she said, Oh, you need to be changed. You were very bad. And I said, well, well, I was. And she goes, but me, I'm not bad. And I said, you're right. You're not. But Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make spiritually dead people live. I said, you're dead. There's only two types of people on earth. Those that are spiritually dead and those that are spiritually alive. And that's why Jesus said, you must be born again. So if you were born gay, be born again. If you were born drunk, be born again. If you were born mad or angry or whatever disposition of sin that you and I might have, the biblical command is that we must be born what? Again. How many of you have been born again for a while? Raise your hand. We call it saved, born again. How many of you have been born again for a while? Raise your hand. Don't you wish all your problems left the moment you were born again? You know what happens the moment you're born again for the first time in your life? You actually begin to face your problems. If you were drinking to hide your problems, now you can't drink. You've got to face them. If every time you got upset with somebody, you just got new friends, for the first time you couldn't keep burning the bridge to old relationships, you had to go back. Sometimes... When you become a Christian and you're born again, things don't get better. Sometimes they get worse. Because the, for the first time, you're facing what you used to run from. When we talk about reset, the reset that God wants for you and me, as Pastor Christian talked about last week, is that we begin to be spiritually alive. And instead of being led by our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, or our body, because you see, the voice of your spirit is your conscience. The voice of your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, is called reason. And the voice of your flesh is called feelings. And when you're led by your reason and by your feelings, then you live a life of the flesh. And you live a life being controlled by your own understanding and controlled by your own emotions. By your own emotions. Today, as we begin to reset, it is a moment where we begin to say, I want to be led by the Spirit of Christ that lives 
within me. How many of you have done anything stupid this week? Raise your hand. Don't point at people, just raise your hand. Anybody here say something you shouldn't have said this week? Raise your hand. I, 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 was, I don't live far from the, one of our campuses where I was speaking one day, and I was kind of running a little behind, and, and I mean, there's somebody in front of me, and I'm just, and I'm, you, you just want to pull, you're pulling up behind them, and you, I, let me just say this, I don't have a church bumper sticker on my car, <laughs> because I'm a Christian, but my driving's not. And so I'm just thinking, I would just love just to just pass by these people and just mean mug them or just do. And that the thought came to me, they may be going to church. They may be going to my church. And sure enough, I slowed down. I prayed. And they pulled right up into the parking lot right behind me. Hi, Pastor Jacob. How many times have you or I maybe this last week, done things led by our soul, our own reasoning, led by our own emotions, our feelings, and regretted it. The Bible promises those of us who are born again children of God the opportunity to live a life led by the Spirit. Remember, the voice of your soul, reason, the voice of your body, feelings, but the voice of your spirit is your conscience. Say that with me, conscience. It comes from two words. The word con, how many of you like Mexican food? Chili con. Carne. That's, let me just help you. <laughs> okay. Chili con. The word con means with. And then science means to know. So God has given you a conscience to know with. And when we take that conscience and it becomes spiritually alive, then God begins to talk to us through that spirit, which is the part of us that he created to live forever. So I am a spirit. I have a soul, my mind, will, and emotions, and I live in my body. But if I allow my reason and my feelings to control me, then I never learn to live a life being led, directed, and fed by the Spirit of God that lives within me. Every year as a Christian, I want to become more spiritually sensitive. Every year as a Christian, I want the Spirit to control more of my life. But each week, I'm reminded that there's still part of me that still needs to change. Anybody here like that? And so today, I want to talk to you real quickly about how we reset our mind. How we reset our mind. The Bible says in Romans 12, 2, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be, what's that word? Say it loud. Transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind that you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Be patient with me a minute because I want to try to read to you out of another translation with one arm. Here we go. 
This is the Passion Translation. Listen to what it says. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you and be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a life, a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in God's eyes. How does this transformation happen for each of us? The Bible says that it happens through the renewing of our mind. When I became a Christian, I came to Christ in the Jesus movement in the 1970s. Most of you here weren't even born. But when I came to Christ in 1971, all across Houston, there were thousands of teenagers with long hair, giving up smoking weed and running in gangs and doing all kinds of other things. And they were gathered in churches all over, wearing sandals and holy pants and all kinds of different things, singing songs and worshiping God. It was called the Jesus movement. And people like me that had long hair and were doing that, they called us Jesus freaks. How many remember the term Jesus freak? And my friends would walk up to me at school and they would go, Jacob, dude, what happened to you? You became a Jesus freak. And I would look at him and go, Jesus doesn't make freaks out of people. He makes people out of freaks. You should have seen me before he got me. And then here's the second thing they would say to me. Dude, what happened to you? You got brainwashed. You got brainwashed. Anybody here ever been accused of being brainwashed? Raise your hand. You know what I told them? If you knew it was in my brain, it needed to be washed. How about you? Has anyone ever given you an old phone that was still in good condition or old computer? Anybody ever got one of those? And the first thing that you have to do when you get it is you have to do what? You have to delete it. You have to reset. You have to wipe out everything. Hillary Clinton, wipe out everything that was there before. Why? Because you've got to delete everything so that you can begin to reprogram it. Look right here. When you became a born-again child of God, okay, that happened for me. My birthday's June the 17th, but my spiritual birthday is the week before Easter, 1971, when I prayed with an African-American counselor at Jackson Junior High School in the body of Houston. That day is my spiritual birthday. That's when I became born again. That day... My spirit went from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. I was born again. Say it with me, born again. Okay, I was born again. That was my spiritual birthday. But do you know what still happened? My soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, and my feelings, they didn't change. Inside of me was this whole vocabulary. This whole vocabulary that needed to be Hillary Clinton whitewashed. That needed to be deleted. Inside me were old habits. That when you got too close to me or you said something I didn't like or you made me angry or if I got mad, there were behavior patterns that I went to. Those are called flesh patterns. Say it with me, flesh patterns. Your flesh pattern is where you naturally go. Your, your nature naturally takes you when something happens. As a matter of fact, addiction specialists use the term HALT, H-A-L-T. What do you do when you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired? 
That's when drug addicts go back to drugs. That's when alcoholics go back to alcohol. That's when sex addicts go back to sex or to porn. When you're hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And all of us here have a flesh pattern. And during our flesh pattern, whenever things get difficult for us, either we're going to turn to the things of the Spirit or we're going to fall back into an old flesh pattern. As a matter of fact, scientists have now discovered that when you begin a process of setting a habit, what actually happens is in your mind, in your brain, there is actually thought patterns. And thought patterns consistent over enough period of time develop in such a way that it creates almost like a rut, like a ditch across your mind. And those things are the natural thought processes and habit patterns that you have until you change over a consistent, extended period of time and create new lines. That's actually what the Bible's saying. Your mind needs to be transformed. You can't reset, even if spiritually you have an encounter with God, until your soul, your mind, will, and emotions gets brainwashed, sets new rows, new ditches, new thought patterns. As a matter of fact, scientists will tell you it takes 21 days to establish a new habit. It takes 21 days to establish a new habit. If you haven't done it for 21 days, that's why right now the gyms are full all over the greater Houston area. If you, if you normally work out, that's okay. Stay home and walk around. Because on the 22nd of January, all the gyms will be empty. Because all of these people that said they were going to do something did not set a different flesh pattern for themselves. Now remember I said we all fall into sin, but we all fall into different sin. What's the flesh pattern of your family? What's the flesh pattern of your family? You say, Pastor, how, how do I know that? What are the things that you see in your parents and grandparents that are habits that you don't like? Because most likely you'll see those in your great-grandparents. Most likely you'll see that in your aunts and uncles. Whatever it is, those are the flesh patterns that cannot be changed until you renew your mind and real transformation takes place. Our behavior will only change when our thinking changes. Someone said this, you might not be who you think you are, but you certainly are what you think. You might not be who you think you are, but you certainly are what you think. What do you think about? Point number one is all behavior is based upon a belief. All behavior that all of us have is based upon a belief. When you look at people and you go, why do they do that? They actually have a belief. Alcoholics actually believe if I drink, my problems are going to go away. People that get angry think if I blow up and tell everybody how I feel, things are actually going to change. All behaviors are based upon a belief. Number two, behind every sin is a lie that someone believes. Behind every sin is a lie that someone believed. Do you remember the first sin? How many remember, men, we remember the first sin. Who committed it? 
Well, yo, here we go. Boy, even the cheap seats like that one over here. I mean, the, the, the truth is, who committed the first sin? Come on, men, say it. One brave man. The rest of you, obviously happily married. Here's the reality. Eve did. But do you know that God gave the command for them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He didn't give that to Eve. He gave that to Adam. Eve had not yet been created. So whose job was it to make sure that his wife did what she should have done? So whose failure was it? One theologian calls it the silence of Adam because if you read the story, it almost seems like Adam was nowhere to be found. But as soon as she eats, the first thing that she does is she gives to, which means he was there during the entire conversation. He just didn't speak. The first failure of mankind was not the sin of eating the apple. It was the sin of a man not leading his family. Ladies, that was a great time for you to say amen. Behind every sin is a lie. When the enemy came to Adam and Eve, what, what did the enemy say to Eve? First thing that he says, Eve, he says, why don't you eat of this tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Now, people have often asked me, Pastor, if, if God knew that Adam and Eve were going to eat that tree, of that tree, why did he leave it there? Why did he leave it there? So let me answer the question. Because it almost seems like God is the author of his own unhappiness. Here's the reality is there is no love without choice. There is no love without choice. Did you ever hear about the woman who looked at a man and said, I wouldn't marry you if you were the last man on the face of this earth. And the man looked back at her with a grin and said, you wouldn't get a chance to. Every other woman in the world would trample over you trying to get to me. Love demands choice. And just because God knew that he would do it didn't mean that he caused it to do it, caused man to do it. Here's, here's the next reason that's so important. Why was the tree there? Why was the tree there? Because God's design for man was for him to know evil by definition and not by experience. How many of you got children? Raise your hand. How many of you want to look at them and go, don't, don't get pregnant before you're married. Don't have sex outside of marriage. Don't go out and drunk, get drunk. Don't go. Maybe you did those things. But you don't want them to do that, and you don't want them to do that because you don't want to, them to have to live with the consequences of the experience. So you want them to know evil by definition and not by experience. God wanted man to know evil by definition and not by experience. And the devil came and said, why don't you eat of this tree? And she said, if I ate of this tree, God said in the day we touch you, eat the tree, you, we will die. And the devil said, you will not surely die. And the devil had a way of making one tree look better that she couldn't eat of than a million trees that she could eat of. Behind every belief, and behavior that's not healthy. Behind every flesh pattern that's not healthy is a lie that people believe. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
So here's the question. What flesh pattern is in your life that's not healthy that you practice? What lie is behind it? What lie is behind it? Number three. Change always starts in the mind. Our life is what our thoughts make of it. Romans 12, 2, the living translation says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Someone said, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it will determine your destiny. Someone else said it like this, plan a thought, reap a deed, plan a deed, reap a habit, plan a habit, reap a character, plan a character, reap a destiny, heaven or hell, life or death, freedom or bondage. In other words, thoughts and character are one. One is the seed, the other is the fruit. That's why a change of lifestyle cannot begin until you begin to change your mind. The way you think determines the way you feel, and the way you feel most often determines the way that you act. If you want to change the way you act, you must change the way that you think. You can't start. You can't reset unless the reset begins in the mind. Many people think that their mind is a theater where you can have private screenings that nobody else sees. They think these screenings will never affect them or anyone else. They're wrong. The reality is every act of lust, immorality, anger, bitterness, resentment, and murder all began with the private screening that then became public. Our thoughts affect our emotions. If you want to see change in your life, it's got to change in your belief systems, and your belief systems will never change till your thoughts change. So here's the question. How can we change unhealthy habits? How many of you want to change unhealthy habits this year? What do the rest of you want to do? Keep them? How many want to change unhealthy habits this year? Let me give you some steps to doing that. Jesus said in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will. Someone said, but first it will make you miserable. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How do we do that? Number one, expose the lies that we're basing our behavior upon. Expose the lies. Probably one of the most difficult things in the whole world is to tell someone you love something they need to hear, but they've never given you the freedom to say it. Let me say that again. Probably one of the most difficult things in the world is saying something that you need to say to someone, but they've never given you the invitation to say it. How many of you know someone that's got some bad habits they need to change? Raise your hand. How many of you have never been able to say what needs to be said to them? Raise your hand. Why? Why? 
The scripture says this, confess your faults one to another so you can be healed. Do you know what that means? We confess our sin to God for forgiveness, but we confess it to others for healing. Why? Because until someone tells you and acknowledges they have a problem, they don't give you permission to address it. What do I mean? It's like this where you go, man, dude, you need to pray for me. and my wife had an argument the other night, man. And, man, I just said stuff I shouldn't have said. And you go, I'm so glad you said that. Because two weeks ago when we were at this function, man, you were horrible. Your mouth was terrible. I was embarrassed by the way you act. And they go, well, man, why didn't you say something? When you confess it, you give someone permission to address it. When you confess it, you give someone permission to address it. Expose the lies that we're basing our bad behavior upon. How do we change our thoughts? We begin to align them with God's thoughts towards us by looking to, believing, and trusting God's never-changing word, the word of God. How do we do that? Philippians 2.5 said, let this mind be in you that is also in Christ. Let this mind be you that's also in Christ. Let me explain this to you. God's word is God's mind. God's word is God's mind. How many of you have ever wanted God to talk to you? Raise your hand. I'm going to tell you how can God, God can talk to you right now. Read your Bible. Every time you read the Bible, God's talking to you. You say, well, yeah, but, but Pastor, I, I mean, I want him to talk to me out loud. Good. Read the Bible out loud. Every time I read the Bible, who's talking to me? God's talking to me. When I read the Bible out loud, God's talking to me out loud. God's word is God's thoughts. God's word is God's thoughts. So how do we change? We begin to align our behaviors, our thoughts with God's word by looking to, believing, and trusting his word. How do we do that? Number one, memorize it. Memorize it. I remember... Christian is the one that taught me this song. I don't even know how long ago it was. He must have been like, I don't even know how old he was. I've never heard this person, but I heard this song from him, and for some reason it stuck in my mind. How you like me now? Go teeth and a smile. Try to take me out to ghetto, but I'm still buck wild. Does anyone even know who that is? Who sings that? <laughs> Christian, that's true. I don't, even, I don't even know, but he said that probably, he was probably 17 or 18 years old. Think of the dumb things that you memorized. I love you, you love me, we're a happy... How many heard a stupid song and you can't get it out of your mind over a period? Come on, raise your hand. Why is it in the world that we can memorize every single worthless thing in the whole world, but we find it so difficult to memorize the eternal, transforming, powerful Word of God? Memorize God's Word. It's a lamp to your feet and a life to your path. It's health to your flesh and life to your bones. It's strength when you're weak. It's power when you can't go forward. It's wisdom when you don't know what to do. Memorize God's Word. One of my children still have the little memorization cards I've had since I was 19 years old. 
I have stacks of them, of God's promises written out to me that I would repeat over and over and over. There's a lot of things I regret memorizing. None of them are the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. Secondly, meditate on the Word of God. When you memorize it, that's for your head. When you meditate on it, that's for your heart. When I memorize it, I fill my mind. When I meditate on it, I let it fill my heart. How many of you are reading the Bible daily as we begin the new year somewhere or another? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you remember like reading Jesus Calling or something like that? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you aren't but you need to? Raise your hand. How many of you just raise your hand because it will make me feel better if you raise your hand? Listen carefully to me. Here's what I like to do. I like to read God's word every day, but I love to read until something leaps out at me. And then I highlight it and I underline it. That's what I meditate on. That's what I think about. That's what I think about. Meditate on it. Let it fill your heart. Here's the third thing. Matriculate it. That means let it grow inside of you. The word of God is a seed. It's a seed. As a matter of fact, one, one of the great things that encourages me as a parent, how, how many of you parents here have teenagers or children that are not close to God? Raise your hand. You have children that aren't close to God. Come on, raise your hand. It's okay. We're not pointing out anybody. How many have children that are different places in their journey with the Lord but not where they should be? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Well, the rest of y'all that have perfect children, God bless you. I hate you with the love of the Lord. But, but when you see... One of the biggest mysteries to me, the power of the Word of God, the Word of God, Jesus said, is like a seed. And sometimes you plant it in your children, you're thinking, they don't get it. They don't get it. They don't get it. Why do I have to go to church? Why are you dragging me again? Why do I have to do that? Why do you want to make me read? Why do I have to pray? Why are we shoving this down my throat? Anything you shove down my throat, I'm going to throw up. Now watch this. But the Bible says the word of God is a seed. And there are moments, okay, when your children are going to come to in their lives, your mates going to come to in their lives, others that you love, that you keep sowing God's word in their heart. There are moments where they're going to go through brokenness in their life. And when they do, that hard ground is going to become soft ground. And you know what's going to happen to that seed? It's going to find a place to start growing. And I'm always encouraged. Matter of fact, as a father, whether it's Pastor Christian or any of my other children, who you say things over and over and over. How many of you say things over and over and over? You start saying it to your children and they mock you and finish it before you even finish. I'm sure that when I'm dead, okay, they're going to walk over to the casket and they're going to be looking at me and I'm going to be laying there with a little Bible across my chest, looking very holy. And they're going to go, Daddy, you were just the best father of the whole world. <laughs> Everything you taught me, I just. And you know how the first hour of a funeral is for private family viewing only? Okay. When they do that, I'm going to ask the Lord if he would just let me resurrect for one minute to slap the devil out of each one of them and then just to lay back there like this. Because every time I talk to someone 40, 50, 60, 70 years old and their parents are gone, they will look at me and go, my mama used to always say, my daddy used to always say, 
And I realized that their parent planted that seed over and over and over. But the time came when the ground got soft and the seed of the word of God came alive. It came alive. Memorize it. Meditate on it. And allow it to matriculate, to grow in your life. Many people want to change their circumstances, but they refuse to change the way that they think. Ephesians 4.21 says, The thoughts of the flesh must be put off, and the thoughts of God must be put on. Must be put on. Trying to change your behavior without changing your beliefs is a waste of time. And trying to change your beliefs without changing your thinking is a, way, is a waste of time. Finally, as I close today, I remember many years ago, the first big test for me when I gave my life to Christ happened on McKinney Street. My best friend, is, his name was, was Donald Wood. Do, do we have a keyboard player? Do, do they have a keyboard player that comes? Okay, there we go. Thank you from the cheap seats. Thank you. Uh, I, I remember my, my, my first, this is my first test, my best friend, Donna Wood. And my two sisters are here today. They, they know Donna Wood. Donna Wood was my best friend, and he had a guy that just moved into the neighborhood. Donna Wood's mama was Mexican and his daddy was white, but he had this new white red-headed friend that moved in, and his name was Steve Kelly. And there was another guy that hung out with us. His name was Gene St. Germain. He always wore plastic shirts. I don't know why. He just did. It scarred me. <laughs> and I remember we were standing back by the sheets in Donald Wood's backyard. This is back when you hung clothes out on a clothesline. Does anybody remember that? Come on, real people. And we were standing in between those sheets. I'd probably been a Christian now about 10 days. Donald had gone with me to one meeting, but, but none of the other guys had. And I remember looking at Donald Wood, and I, I said, hey, man, it's great to see you. We were hanging out. He said, man, Don, you know, Gene's coming over, and Steve's coming over, and we're standing back between the sheets, and, and one of them lights up a joint. Now, I know nobody here has ever smoked weed. And I am so proud of all of y'all. But the rest of us who grew up with Cheech and Chong. Okay. I, I remember standing there and, and they began smoking. The first tote. Here you go, man. To the next guy. I, I need my music in the background to make this weed story sound good. Thank you. There we go. And it got to Donald Wood, and Donald took a big. And then it got to me. These are my best friends. These are the guys that I hung out with and did life with. These are the people that, these are my guys. We like the same girls. Back then you did that. I mean, we, we, we just, these are, my, these are my people. These are my boys, my friends. And I was going to have to make a decision. I, I know what the old Jacob would have done. 
Hey, dude, thanks. And I looked at him and I said, um, I, 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 don't, I don't want that. And Donald would look at me and go, why not, dude? And here it came. Here it came. I knew. I knew this moment was going to come. I wasn't at church. I wasn't with my friends. I wasn't with other born-again believers like me. This was the old flesh pattern. This was the old Jacob. This was the old me. And in those moments, you hear things like, come on, you can do it. God will forgive you. You, you, you can get it right later. But God, by his grace, gave me the strength to know that this was the moment. Donald Wood's backyard between the sheets. And I said, I, I can't do that anymore. I, I have something better. And Steve Kelly went, what do you have, dude? Turn us on to it. I said, um, I gave my life to Jesus. I don't want to live that way anymore. And there was that 30-second pause that seemed like an hour. I can close my eyes and I can see it now. And they turned around and they started walking away from underneath the sheets, this direction. First Steve Kelly, then Donald followed him, then Gene St. Germain on his little stingray bicycle followed behind him. And I was standing there. And I turned and I started to follow. Steve Kelly, the oldest one out of us, stood and said, Jacob. We don't want you hanging with us, man. Boogie, split, hook them, leave. That was the day that I said no to the flesh. I, I said no to the old way, the old habits. I was 14 and a half years old. Five years later, I just got through traveling all over Europe sharing my story of what Christ had done in my life. Speaking in public schools and watching hundreds of young people come to Christ each night. I went for three weeks and ended up staying for three months. I came back home to my neighborhood to see my mom and I wanted to go by and see Donald Wood. So I went and I knocked on the front door and his mother came to the door. And I said, is Donald here? He said, yeah, let me go get him. He came up and he looked at me and goes, Jacob, is that you? Dude, dude, where have you been? What happened to you? I told him what I'd been doing for the last three months. And he looked at me and he said, how did you get out of here? And I said, Donald, remember five years ago between the sheets at your backyard? He said, yeah. I said, five years ago, you went one direction, and I went another. 
and mine led me to where I am now. And yours led you to where you are. You see, the actual reset is a biblical term called repentance. The actual Greek word for repentance means to have a change of heart that leads to a change of mind. It's like I'm going this way and I realize, hey, I don't want to go this way anymore. And you turn and go the exact opposite direction. What happened to me at 14 and a half years old? I repented. And the Jesus of the Bible and the Holy Spirit of the Bible came and resurrected me from the spiritually dead to become a born-again child of God. Freed from guilt and fear and shame and not that I didn't wrestle with it and not that I didn't stumble many times along my journey. And I have to say that because my sisters are here, they'll give you the details if I don't. Not as someone who's been perfect since then. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint because of grace. And when I sin, he picks me up and lifts me again. But it all began there. You know what I pray for you today? I pray that today becomes your day. In between those sheets. Today that you stare at some of the old flesh patterns in your life, some of the old habit patterns, and go, my mama lived that way, my daddy lived that way, my grandfather lived that way, my grandmother lived that way, my mother, my siblings lived that way. I'm not going to live that way anymore. I am turning the opposite direction. And it's going to begin with a change of heart and a change of mind at the same time. Called repentance. Reset begins with repentance. Would you bow your head with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace. God, none of us are here because of how good we are. We're all here because of how good you are. Jesus, I thank you that your mercy never ends. That's why you're called the God of all grace and the God of all mercy. Because just when we think we've reached the end of it, we haven't even scratched the surface of it. That's why your word says your mercies are new every morning. Today I pray. I pray for the precious people that are here. I pray for people that are wrestling with habits and hurts and hangups. People they need to forgive. Things they need to forgive themselves of. And I pray that today becomes a moment. A real moment. A life-changing moment. A reset repentance moment. with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm, I'm the only one that's looking. Maybe you're here today and you go, Pastor, I, I, I needed to hear what you said today. I not only believe that, that it was good for me, I believe God was talking to me. Today, there, there is a new beginning in my life I need. Jesus said in John chapter 3, unless a man or woman was born again, they wouldn't see the kingdom of heaven. 
Jesus said in John chapter 3, unless a man or woman was born again, they would never enter into the kingdom of heaven. So if you ever want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, if you ever want to see the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said the first step is you must be born again. You say, well, pastor, I've been christened, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. Isn't that good? That's a great start. But Jesus said you must be born again. Not me, not a priest, not a pastor, Jesus. Have you been born again? The answer to that question determines where you spend eternity. Heaven or hell, life or death, spiritually separated from God. Are united to God, resurrected by Christ and fulfilling the very purpose for which you were made. Versus trying to figure it out on your own for the rest of your life. God made you, and until you connect with him and know him and are born again, you never know the reason for which you were made. Someone said the greatest day in a person's life is when they're born, and the second greatest day is when they find out why. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, but I've never prayed to be born again. How, how do I do that? A, admit that you're a sinner and that sin has separated you from God. B, believe that Jesus Christ became God's sin bearer. And on the cross, he died for your sin so you wouldn't have to die in your sin. C, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior. As you turn away from sin to be born again. As you turn away from sin through repentance to be born again. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus but I've never prayed to be born again. It only happens once, just like the day you were born. It only happens once. Pastor, would you pray for me today? Today, I want to become spiritually alive. Today, I don't want to just be a son or a daughter of Adam. I want to be a son or daughter of God. Today, would you pray for me to be born again? With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm the only one that's looking. If that's you, I'm going to pray for you right at your seat, right where you are. If you're in, you say, Pastor, would you pray for me today? I want to be born again. If that's you, would you just lift your hand high? I'm going to pray for you. Yes, lift it high. I see it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Anyone else? Okay, you can put your hands down. Ten, I see that. Last time I'm going to ask, Pastor, I, I didn't raise my hand with these ten, but my heart's about to beat out of my chest. I know this is what I need. I know God's talking to me. It might be your voice, but God is talking to me. I didn't raise my hand, but I should have. I need to be born again today. If that's you, lift your hand up high and raise it for me right now. Wave it at me. I'm going to ask this last time just for you. Yes, 11. Anywhere else? All right. The church, let's pray out loud with every one of those that raised their hand to be born again. Just pray out loud. We're all going to pray as we join them out loud as they pray. At the end of this prayer, they're going to be born again. At the end of this prayer, they're going to be a born-again child of God. Christ is going to come live in them through the power of the Holy Spirit and begin to reveal himself to them. Let's pray out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my guilt, my sin, and my shame, and you died for it. I believe you faced hell for me so I would not have to go. And you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Come on, let's say this out loud. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Today, 
God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. And I'm born again in Jesus' name. Amen. The church, would you give all those folks a big hand that prayed? 12 people to be born again today. Now, Pastor Christian told me that there's only one wrong thing I could do all day. You know what he said it was? Not receive the offering. <laughs> Believe me. I know what it is, and uh, that would be a sin. <laughs> that would be a sin. Thank you so much. As, as Christian's father, on behalf of my, my wife of 37 years and just a few days, and I, thank you so much for your support. Thank you for standing with Christian and Alex and this entire team that has sacrificed to build Valley Rise Church. One day, thousands of people will be here. They will never forget the people who stood like you. They'll never forget the people that stood like you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for praying for them. Thank you for financially standing with them. Thank you for the calls, the support, the meals, the notes, the cards. They all matter. They all matter. And I, how many of you love Christian and Alex? Are you thankful for them and their sacrifice? Right now, the ushers are going to come. There's three ways to give here at Valley Rise. Um, they said they're going to put that up. I'm going to tell you the best three ways. Credit card, cash, 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 check, credit card, cash. As you know, Christian could be doing a whole lot of other things in Alex but they know that God has called them here to be with you. Thank you. Father, bless this offering. Bless those who give. Bless the faithfulness of every sacrifice, of every single synthesis sacrificed by people here to invest in your kingdom, to build this church in Jesus' name. Everybody Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram using at Valley Rise Church. We hope you enjoy today's message and we'll see you soon.